What's up, bitches? I'm Cameron. And I'm Nita. And this is Bitch Why. Bitch Why, our podcast where we talk about all the things we like and dislike and why anyone would make them. We are two artsy bitches and we're going to talk about what we like and what we want to talk about because <laughs> we can and it's our podcast. So <laughs> we can talk about whatever we want to. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So Cameron, gay god in the flesh, in the flesh. editor Hello. and producer extraordinaire. Yes. Is with us today. Yes. The only one who can talk about, you know, whatever we're going to talk about today. Exactly. What are you snacking on? So this is a snack that's preemptive because as none of you know, we are recording this Thursday night, the night before. <laughs> it's supposed to be. <laughs> Tomorrow, Lord's new album comes out, which I will be listening to the entirety of. And love I'm very excited. I'm so excited for it. So that's what I'm snacking on. I am ready to listen to all of our songs and I know that a lot of people are giving it bad reviews right now and the critics aren't living for it but <laughs> fuck those critics we're not them and I I'm just so ready I love her I will people, support her no matter what people are like like this album's kind of bad so far and she's like okay <laughs> she's yeah. like, that's she, fine this is what I wanted this to is make. my music yeah so <laughs> I'm all for her being like that's fine yeah, she also said that this was like her stoner album where she just loves like the vibes of it and everything. So hopefully it should resonate with me and I should I should vibe with it. Yeah, you know that joke of, like that people are like, oh my God, Lord always makes an album for right. the time of my life. I feel like I'm like, how did Lord know I was also in my stoner era? <laughs> like literally, how yeah. did she know that I needed to chill out? Exactly, where she's like, <laughs> Yeah, it's, like, not perfect, but it's a stoner album, so yeah. does it have to be? She's like, you don't have to vibe <laughs> with everything. You just have to have a fun time. I'm in my sublime phase. <laughs> She's like, oh, this is fine. This is my Santa Maria. <laughs> Cute, yeah. What are you snacking on? Oh, my God, wait. Speaking of music, Metallica? You're like, where are you going with this? <laughs> so Metallica has a new playlist that they've made called the Metallica Blacklist where they have asked a diverse group of artists to choose a song from their iconic black album and make it their own. So Phoebe Bridgers has a Metallica cover. Royal Blood, this like great rock band that I really like, has a cover. Weezer has a cover of Enter Sandman. <sighs> St. Vincent, J Balvin. This one Indian artist, Vishal Dadlani, Diet Sig, which is like a kind of like a sad girl band that I really like. Miley Cyrus and Elton John have a cover of Nothing Else Matters. All of these artists, just from this one album, so there's a couple of like repeats, like uh, there's like Nothing Else Matters by Phoebe and then also mm. J Balvin. Like everybody, so many random fucking people are on this playlist. Okay. Metallica has not had to lift a finger. They're like, hey, you know our Black album? Phoebe Bridgers and St. Vincent and Miley Cyrus, do a cover, do whatever you want with it, and I'll make all of us money. And it's they're right. good. They're right. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> like, Phoebe Bridgers' cover of Nothing Else Matters, like, is good. Oh my gosh. I listened to, like, Metallica in, like, middle school and high school because all the boys in my school mm. liked Metallica. What I now realized was a gender, like, was gender envy. It was me being, like, in elementary school, it was like, I'm gonna get into. Pokemon. Mm. The boys like Pokemon. And then in middle school and high school, I was like, I'm going to get into Blink-182 and Metallica and Green Day because all the boys like Blink-182 and Metallica and Green Day. 
So now I have all this like wealth of Metallica knowledge, and it's fine because Phoebe Bridgers also <laughs> likes Metallica now, so it's it's okay. <laughs> but it's good. Like the playlist is actually really good. But it's like insane to me that Elton John was like, "Yeah, I'll cover a Metallica song." So I weird. honestly never listened to Metallica don't. because it was like all the boys were so into it that I was like, I don't want anything to do with it. Exactly. It feels like. Threatening. It was very threatening. It feels threatening. So. But when I was like more female presenting, I was like, oh, you guys like Metallica? Me too. I'm not like other girls. <laughs> I'm like, no, don't worry. That's like so metal. It's so metal. Like so metal. <laughs> I can see that. But I, you can see that. <laughs> you, you and your You're hot like, topic phase. Stop. It's not a phase mom. <laughs> no, I still, I still wear shit from Hot Topic, but that's because they have really good, um, they have nice t-shirts. True. They have cozy t-shirts. Speaking of what's not a phase. <laughs> I'm gay. I'm gay. That's also not a phase mom. Right. And being gay comes with it a lot of. Queer media. And responsibilities. And responsibilities. Like the responsibility to watch this show. That we're going to talk about. See, I have never felt like mm. I needed to watch this show. Because you're not a white gay. Mm. So, it's time for Bitch What? Bitch What? So! So! <laughs> since we got free reign to do whatever we wanted this week. Yes. I have never seen RuPaul's Drag Race. And Cameron has seen how much? Every single episode. Every single episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. Multiple times. And I think it would be funny if you explained this show to me. I've seen a couple of clips, like, Caitlin shows me funny videos mm. of, like, what they do on their downtime mm -hmm. <laughs> on the show Drag Race. And I, like, enjoy it, but I feel like this is, like, a cultural touchstone, kind of like Game of Thrones, which I actually started watching recently. Mm. Cameron, what is RuPaul's Drag Race? So RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> is one of the biggest, I guess the biggest gay reality shows that's out right now. For reality shows to have gay people is a feat in itself. So for them to be one exclusively about gay people, exclusively about drag queens, which was a very different concept at the time. Anyways, mm. RuPaul's Drag Race started in 2009 on a little program called Logo. And it originally had RuPaul, along with her friends Merle Ginsburg and Santino Rice, judging. And the first season was absolutely no-budget shit show like the first challenge they took the queens out back and put them on a car and they sprayed them with water they were like here's what we have for the challenges like it was very <laughs> it also had the most hideous filter most iconic filter actually because the camera quality was so bad rupaul wanted to be like washed out so they just put like basically vaseline over all the cameras uh that made um everything look very glossy Wait, I need to see it because I want to know what the hell this looks like. The filter like. looks, it's very iconic. Okay, so Nita pulled up the picture <laughs> of the filter from season one. I can't, it's like when you're, it's like when your glasses aren't clean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're like, I think I could drive home. Yeah, someone just opened the dishwasher on all these cameras <laughs> and they can't see shit. <laughs> But you know, Rue looks gorgeous most of the time. She's like so washed out. Yeah, yeah. 
I can just tell that whoever was like lighting RuPaul just did not know what they were doing. What they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Sorry. So you were saying. Right. And then going into season two, season two was the, like, I guess first real season that a lot of people consider to be real season because the first season was so low budget. The winner Tyra was iconic just because in her, like, bitchiness and... And then season three was the hardest season of Drag Race to date, for sure, because they had multiple episodes where they had to create, like, three looks or, like, Uh and, like, more. Like, they were demanded, like, episode after episode to be doing so much work that the queens were, like, breaking down, like... That was the that was the last season that they made of the queens do a ton of balls back to back because they couldn't handle it. And then the winner of season three, Raja, was the, the first like really big winner. She was on Next Top Model. And then Is she Indian? Um, no, Raja. Wait, Indonesian. Indonesian. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. We're in the right of area color. of the world. Yes. No, yes. We are winner confirmed of color. of color. I mean, all, <laughs> all of confirmed. the winners were of color. Like, oh, from, from the beginning. Okay. Except, I mean, like, it changed. But season one winner was Bibi Zaharbonet, which was clone of RuPaul. Okay, and then season okay. two was Tyra, which was, again, another clone of RuPaul. Interesting. Because when I think of Drag Race, I feel like I hear about, like, yeah okay so what so what i'm what i've all the seasons that i'm talking about are like the early seasons of drag Mm -hmm. race you can kind of divide it up because there's so many seasons now where seasons one through about five are early and then season six through i would say nine or ten are mid drag race okay and then 11 and up is like the later seasons of what we're on now? now the season that just aired was season 13 Wow. Okay. And what we're what is currently airing is All Stars six. So aside from chronological one through thirteen, there are All Star seasons, and there's one six through six. Okay. Yes. Wow. Okay. Um, and there's oh, so much tea about all that too. And is RuPaul is RuPaul a host yes. now? Yes. Yes. RuPaul is the host. Always been a host. Yeah. Always been the host. Okay. And for both of these things. Yes. Yeah. Okay, RuPaul wow. is the host. RuPaul like says everything, judges everything. Is okay. is the main person behind the operation yes that's why it's rupaul's drag race it's It's her show and she'll talk what about the international season and those ones are a little bit tricky so drag race thailand was the first international season to air and that was in 2018 and it did not associate rupaul really in any way i think Mm -hmm. that maybe she did some of the like video um interview stuff but the host was a different drag queen and um, it was all in Thai, and it was, like, not really... It didn't have RuPaul. But then they started doing, like, Drag Race UK, which had RuPaul in it. She was the host there, and okay. she was the judge. And then they did Drag Race Canada, which had RuPaul as, like, the video messages and stuff, but the host was different. They had different drag queen. Her name was Brooklyn Heights, who actually competed on season 11 of the show along with some other guest judges that were Canadian. Like, it was all Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the international shows, usually they try and defer to the people who are there. But also sometimes RuPaul just comes in as, like, is the host. So of the early seasons of Drag Race, like, I, I think that that is the epitome of the show. That is such good TV. Season four is my favorite season of all time. Because it has my favorite drag queen, Willem Belai, in it. I started watching Willem when I was, like, super young. So 
I started watching Drag Race when I got to NYU, basically, because I was like, I grew up in a very Christian non-gay environment, and I was like, I felt like it was something that I needed to get into to have a way to like connect to other gay people yeah. outside of like yeah. sex or like, you know, anything else. Like I was like, Drag Race is a way to connect and meet other people, yeah. which it literally it is. It did yeah. that for me. So it, it became kind of like a point of connection for you. Right. Yeah. I started watching it. Basically, I met my friend Kyle, who lives in Jersey. I asked him, I said, I want to get into Drag Race. And I know that you've watched like all of it. Like, where should I start? And he told me the advice of starting with season six, mm. which is at the time it was like kind of the midpoint of the Drag Race seasons. Um, we had only gotten to season 11. So it was like kind of halfway there. And season six is arguably one of the best seasons of all time because it had one of the best winners, Bianca Del Rio. You probably, like... I've heard... You yeah. just know the name. You know her name because she is so funny and she is <laughs> such a good drag queen. And she won her season, as she should have, and she never did bad. Like, she was great. And season six also had a ton of drama with Courtney Act and Jocelyn Fox and it had Adored Alana, which is also another fan favorite that, like, mm -hmm. was the edgy queen that everyone really, like, identified with. <laughs> Would that be like my the person Mama, I would, <laughs> that would be the person she that wore hot that. topic? Like, okay, okay, I see. Like, I see. she's I that wore. queen. The Metallica one. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, that, would, that would know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, great. And she's a successful music artist. So I started with season six, and then I was told watch season six, and then watch season two and three because two and three are like the iconic early seasons. Season one was so bad, like you don't really need to watch it. When you start out, like, when you watch season one, you watch it knowing that it's going to be bad and knowing that you already love the show so that you can watch so it okay. with the ironic, like, oh, wow, yeah. this was, like, history, you know? Not yeah. in a sense of, like, I want to consume this as a media. Yikes. Okay. Yeah, I would say, so, so my point of reference for reality TV, growing up, I watched a lot of The Bachelor. My mother loved the My Bachelor, mom loved the Bachelor Bachelorette, mm -hmm. so I could tell you everything about that show. I now have friends who like we watch Love Island together, and so like that's something that I'm into, and like a little bit of Big Brother, Survivor, Amazing Race. Mm -hmm. So very straight, like really straight reality mm -hmm. TV show. So we've already kind of given people like the what of Drag Race and how you would go about it if you mm -hmm. were going to, like, try to get into it. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to move on to, like, Bitch How, if it's Bitch... Sure. Is it time yeah. for Bitch How? I, it's time for Bitch it How. It could be time for Bitch How. What do you think really works about this show? So this show works because of how gay it is and how much it fits into what reality tv needs to be all of those examples of reality tv show that you gave are like great and very engaging and they have their moments of like scandal and like bringing the viewers in and they always try and like like big brother my mom also loves and she mm -hmm. they're like you'll never know what happens in the big brother house like yeah. there's a twist around the corner Mom, walk on Drag Race set. You will never, <laughs> never, ever know what the fuck is going to happen. Like, 
because of the absurdity of just being gay and like the inherent campiness <laughs> that comes with that, mm -hmm. it lends itself to incredible, incredible reality TV. Yeah. Where it's the type of TV where the girls don't have to be told to produce anything. They produce themselves and they yeah. make a storyline that engages the audience so much that it's like, it's impossible not to like be rooting for someone or like want to see someone succeed or like want to have someone not succeed. Like there's one of the reasons that it works, but also one of the reasons that the fan base is so awful about it Yeah, is because people just view all these characters as characters in a TV show and not like the people they are behind it. Um, yeah, there's this really great piece about like the way black women are used in like GIFs, like reaction right, yeah. GIFs as like, and, and like also like black celebrities like Nicki Minaj, Megan Thee Stallion as these like characters almost. Mm -hmm. Like when we use GIFs, we use them to like convey emotion, mm -hmm. whatever. In that way, they become kind of like a commodity mm -hmm. of of comedy and and entertainment to the point where like Megan the Stallion she becomes the victim of gun violence and people cannot take that moment seriously right. because she's up until this point been such a like point of entertainment that people don't even like cannot even like come up with the idea in their brains that like she's a real human. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that to an extent uh has happened with these like quote unquote like characters. One thousand percent. Yeah. The people who watch this show have a they do not understand that this is a show and that mm -hmm. these are drag queens putting on a show to be entertaining. Yeah. And a lot of the people that watch this show think that whatever the queens say determines how they are as human beings, that determines how they should be treated at gigs, determines if they should have oh. gigs, determines like so many queens now, especially with this all-star season that's airing, a lot of the queens coming back are so focused on their perception from the audience that they are like, it's not how it was. It, it's yeah. drag race has become like drag queens putting on a fun show and have a fun competition to becoming, how do I market myself to the general public, to the world once I get out of here, yeah. because I know that they're going to be analyzing everything I say. And if I say something wrong, if I play the villain, if I am this role in the production, then they're going to think that that's who I am. Like literally the Silky Nut McNage, which is one of the queens on All Star 6 right now, after her season in season 11, she was a loud personality. She wasn't a villain. Like, I guess she was the villain sometimes because she created conflict. She was fun to watch, but people called her like, really mean and like unprofessional and no one booked her after that she had the roughest year mm. after that season was aired it's yeah. like directly affecting these queens income and mental health and it's like kind of fucked up like the drag race fandom does not know how to separate their feelings about the competition from their feelings about these people like as people right so there's this whole thing of like i remember reading there's this there's this show called haunting of bly manor which was on netflix and it, it like oh really never heard of it <laughs> it features a gay couple and in the end the like gay couple has like a not so happy ending but it's like a horror series right. and so someone i remember one time like reading this take that someone was like listen if you want like queer representation in this thing you have to understand, though, that, like, 
they will still have to deal with the same tropes of the genre, Mm -hmm. which is that not everybody gets a happy ending in horror movies. Mm -hmm. To some extent, I totally get it. I also think we have to think from an intersectional place of like, well, if like we still have that like barrier gaze trope, like, and then we put it on top of a horror thing, that doesn't make the barrier gaze trope go away. Mm. But I think like with reality TV, the tropes of reality TV are that there is going to be a villain. And there is going to be, like, there's specific drama that needs to happen. The way the editing works is that, like, we need to make it so that someone looks like they're the bad guy. Mm -hmm. But really, it's, like, you can frame anybody in reality TV, Mm -hmm. like, sounding like a horrible person. Like, I I think of the Jessica Simpson chicken is the, uh, tuna is the chicken of the sea quote. Like, you know what this is? Oh, my God. So she and Nick Lachey had a reality show when they had just gotten married. It was called Newlyweds. Um, and there is a clip of Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey eating tuna and on the can it the brand of tuna like their slogan is like chicken of the sea and she's like reading it and she's eating the tuna and she goes wait is this tuna or is this chicken and then Nick Lachey is like sounds so done with her for the day he's like oh my god what do you mean this is tuna we've had tuna before and she's like no I know but it says chicken of the sea and so like is it tuna and chicken or is it tuna and she's confused and I like I like if you followed you or me around with a camera for a day, like we'd probably say some dumb shit right. too, and yeah. you could edit it to sound awful yeah. or stupid or whatever you wanted to convey. And that's how reality TV works. Like yeah. in, in the Bachelorette, like you can tell someone's being asked a question behind the scenes. Someone's like, "Do you think you're falling in love with him?" And they'll be like, "I do think I'm falling in love with him." So like, yeah. of course, when you have reality TV. Someone has to be the bad guy. I originally would have said, but it's okay that someone, as long as like we're experiencing a diversity of like drag queens, it's okay one is the bad guy because then a viewership that isn't, that is straight and like not of like, that doesn't know anything about this culture could look at it and be like, okay, well not everybody's bad. It's just like, there's one villain. Right, But, but that does still hurt. Right. Like, and then also yeah. it's really fucked up when there's like random straight people watching the show and then mm-hmm. the show is edited and they have all this music and like bad sound effects. It's like, oh, this queen's doing bad. And it's yeah. like, then all these straight people are like, oh, that queen's trash. Like, they're not. Right. Blah, blah. So then it's then like, um, you have no idea what is expected of a drag queen. You don't know what the fuck drag is is you know mm-hmm. drag knowledge half an ass what the hell are you talking <laughs> about just because this show told you that's what's good because this right. one rupaul said this is the definition of good drag like there's right. so many different types of drag out there besides what is on rupaul's drag race there's drag you love which is like all the like horror drag rupaul has set up this stage for these queens to become ex- insanely successful superstars celebrities everything that you could want but right. it also is very limiting like she hasn't allowed trans people on that show until this past like year with like Kylie Sunique being like out and also Jiggly Caliente. But like before that, if you were trans, like RuPaul has said, you cannot be on the show if you've undergone transition. Like if you have, if you have boobs, you're not on the show. Cause RuPaul is of like the old drag mindset where like trans. Well, it's like it's operating kind of from a binary perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Because of marketing and because of that's what's like quote unquote, like easiest to understand. Right. When I feel like our generation, from, like, where we're standing, feels as if people are, like, fine moving past that. Mm. And, like, RuPaul, actually, my uncle used to party with RuPaul in 
palladium, which used Mark, to yeah. be like, <laughs> so like, and even my uncle is kind of like of the same mm-hmm. like thought process. So I think we're kind of going to get into like bitch how and why at the same time. Drag Race to me came out at the same time of like Game of Thrones as like these were two huge cultural touchstones that I did not participate in. And like really what all it was doing was like it was just taking the fantasy genre and making it quote unquote accessible to like quote unquote normal people who are going to sit down and read Lord of the Rings, like go through Tolkien and like memorize the maps and Mm. like figure out the shit. Right. And drag races was kind of the same thing of like, this is the packaged, easy to understand. Like for Game of Thrones, it's like, we're going to put sex in it. So you watch it. Drag race was like, we're going to put like makeup and wigs and and, like the framing device of a reality show, Mm -hmm. which you are also used to consuming that you can watch it and feel fine and feel like it can be yours. Game of Thrones is now completely culturally irrelevant because of like how it ended. But I feel like drag race from where I'm standing and what I don't know anything about it feels like it could go the same way. Not a relevancy, but of like, we're going to look back on it and be like, what did it actually do if it doesn't change? Right. Yeah. I think that Drag Race, just as itself, as it is right now, is such a cultural phenomenon and is so successful that it is not going to be irrelevant for a long time. Mm -hmm. But... One of the things that they are attempting to do more recently is, like, adapt with the times. And, like, now, yes, the contestants are able to talk about being trans. It hasn't happened on, like, a main season yet. Like, this is All-Stars where Kylie Sonic is, like, out and trans. And same with Jiggly Caliente being post-transition out and trans. Yeah. But, like, in the earlier seasons, like, you could not say really that you were... Like, you could say that you were trans, but you had to present as a boy in the workroom. And you had to get your work done after you were on the season. And now I feel like they would, in the future, be adaptable to changing and, like, letting in more diverse queens. Like, maybe more, like, not of the glamour drag, like, more of the, like, dragula horror stuff. Mm -hmm. And they try and do some of that. Like, they've tried to have, like, edgy queens, like, Sharon Needles, Evie Oddly, queens that aren't the super pretty ones but every time the like it's always presented as like a weird and like an other thing yeah and it feels like and until rupaul is not the head of it it won't change quickly because it will only change as fast as rupaul allows it to well so my question is like who made it famous and who can decide when we can push those limits. When I would hear people talking about it in like TV shows and movies when people were referencing it, it was mostly like straight people. Like like SNL would reference Drag Race. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? Like the people, like Broad City would reference Drag Race. And so I'm watching, I'm like hearing about Drag Race from mostly not gay people. And so my question is like, who did Drag Race originally cater to and who are they catering to now and has it changed? Mm-hmm. Do we feel like it's changed? Obviously, the show is meant for gay people from the start because mm-hmm. it has a lot of its influences from Paris is Burning. Like, RuPaul totally. in the first season or second season like had always mentioned that show and like mentioned the drag from that and like trying to emulate that. Like At the beginning, it was all about just presenting 
drag on TV, no matter what that meant. Like she just wanted to get exposure out there. Yeah. And RuPaul made the show famous. RuPaul is a fucking superstar. Yeah. She has done all the photo shoots. She's been put in all the time. She's an old queen who has <laughs> done it all. Mm-hmm. And because of that, she had leverage to make RuPaul's Drag Race such a success. Yeah. And since RuPaul is still heading all of the like decisions and doing all this work, she's flying and filming all of these seasons. Like it's gonna, it won't really change until RuPaul is like not involved with it. But and then yeah. at that point, it's not even RuPaul's Drag Race because it's it's just Drag Race. Then at it's that just point. Drag Race, yeah. And then then after RuPaul's out of it, I don't know how it would look. I feel like that would be the time when it would fall out of relevancy because people would be so confused at what the new Drag Race would look like without her. Mm-hmm. But from the beginning, it, the show was meant to be for gay people. And then as it got a little bit more popular around season eight or nine or stuff, RuPaul began explaining some more stuff about the gay culture. Like she would explain what shade is or like what reading is and like oh. stuff like that <laughs> that you kind of know. But all these straight people don't know. And then it kind of became more universal. Like this is just drag. Yeah. And then that's now why there's so many straight white like fans of the show like all the really popular queens from the show all of their audiences are like middle-aged women (laughs) because for some reason middle-aged women love drag but here's the thing is like the main audience of reality tv right is middle-aged white yeah that's kind of like in the flyover state yeah so that's like my my big question i think this is something that we all think about when Gaia and I talk about art mm-hmm. becoming mainstream, because of course, like you want your thing to get big because then the visibility and accessibility is higher. But do you feel like drag race has kind of gone the same way as like pride parades of mm. like corporate, Hi, gay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of, like uh. corporate rainbow month where it's now like to make something commodifiable to the major- quote-unquote yeah. majority, which is straight, white, yeah. cis people, do you feel like something's been, like, lost from Drag Race? I feel like from the beginning, RuPaul set the program up so that it could be something that is mainstream someday. Like, mm. from the beginning, there wasn't anything... All the pit crew stuff, like, that's the bluest they get, where they, like, talk about, ooh, bulge, ooh... Stuff like that. But it's never stuff that's, like, so explicitly gay that it will turn straight people away. Mm. It's not really set up so that gay people will get a lot of gratification out of watching it specifically. It's kind of set up so that anyone who can look at the Marvel or, like, who can look at drag and be impressed by it can watch it. Which is, like, how it's become such a success for, like, the mainstream what has happened though as it like grew from like kind of a cult following to literally international stardom is like all the queens who were in the earlier seasons don't have as much success as the queens who are in the later seasons like mm-hmm. rupaul brings back the early queens a lot because that's one thing i do appreciate about rupaul is that for all stars like he'll bring back queens from season two or season three and like give them another shot but for the people who didn't watch those seasons, it's like completely... It's like, who is this? It's like, who is this? It's a completely new introduction yeah. to them. Which, it's good that these queens now, like, as they go on, 
they get they get gigs, they get the money, they are launched into stardom. But it also comes with everyone on Twitter freaking out about everything they do. There's mm-hmm. so much drama and like bullshit brought back up. Like you have to have like a spotless record to get onto Drag Race <laughs> because people will find anything that you've said, anything that yeah. you've done, and bring it against you. And it's it's not cancel culture, but it's kind of just like people want to see someone not succeed. See, especially with reality TV, like that is that's heightened. interesting because. With, like, The Bachelor and Bachelorette, from, like, what I know, Mm -hmm. is that, like, they will bring people on specifically who they know, like, are either still in a relationship with somebody else because they want that to, like, blow up on the the series. But are you saying that, like, there is a barrier to access for, like, any queens to join just in terms of, like, being... By, like, being... Like, if they... If, like, RuPaul doesn't deem them, like, commodifiable enough... Yes. Mm, yes if you are a kind of drag that's like a little bit weirder or like whatever you still have to be able to fit into like marketing towards the general public the weird queens that they bring on the show now are like more artsy like producers because they like can produce these events that are like really a spectacle to watch Mm -hmm. but like it's not just gonna be random like like divine wouldn't be on drag race divine is like disgusting and not (laughs) like people wouldn't want to see her on on, like on a tv but when you say people would want to see her i think you you mean like yeah the general public the general public yeah but what but then i mean this is all stuff people have probably already thought about before but like when has gay culture which has become weirdly part of mainstream but but originated as counterculture. Right. When did we ever... And, like, this is something I think about a lot because, like, whenever, like, gay friends I have in the States talk about queer history, what I perceive them to be discussing is, like, Stonewall to to AIDS. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's what they understand Mm -hmm. as their history. And usually that's, like, my friends who are, like, gay and cis and and white. Mm -hmm. Like talk about Mm -hmm. and i'll be like okay cool i don't feel like that's my history my uncle who also like grew up here also because he's indian Mm -hmm. like we just don't feel that like i don't feel that kind of tie but i do understand that like we've always been a part of counterculture Mm -hmm. so this is the thing that happens no matter what like when we move from counterculture to mainstream we lose the things that made us edgy and quote-unquote different and like experimental right what would need to change i mean like rupaul would need to not be there but like what would need to change for this thing because i'm really reminded of like queer eye mm-hmm. right if like mm-hmm. we all really loved queer eye and then we all <laughs> really we like stopped thinking watching. about queer yeah. eye and i think it's because like they were like marketable enough yes they were like kind of almost too perfect right and, like, two specifically one kind of gay. Right. Which was aside from Tan and Karamo, like... Right. Cis white gay guys making straight men look better. Yeah. What does gays in the mainstream look like without having to stick to, like, one kind of drag or one kind of queer eye guy or one kind of... 
whatever. I mean, I feel like that gets into like the bitch why of yeah. like why this show has been. Made. It's bitch why. It's, it's time now for bitch why. Bitch why. <laughs> When this show came out in 2009, as you were saying, there is that weird disconnect of gay culture from the AIDS crisis. I guess to that point where we did not have much of a culture, a lot of the culture was like, don't have sex because then you'll die. Well, and also and, like the gay community was not a thing. Right, yeah. Right, like gay men were like, we have gay bars, lesbians mm -hmm. do not come in. Mm -hmm. And it was it was like, this is not a hot take. This is like a take that you hear everywhere. Yeah. But that like, the queer community did not exist right. until AIDS. Right, yeah. Yeah. With lesbians caring for gay men and like all that stuff. Like our community was built off of the like suffering that we've had to endure mm -hmm. and when this show kind of came out and was presenting gay people on this program not in like a gay best friend character like mm -hmm. not in any of the other ways that gay people were presented on tv or movies before then it was very radical in its take of like these are gay men who are like, talented who are entertaining who mm -hmm. have worth in themselves besides yeah. like not knowing who they are or like not knowing what they are into or like what they want like this show really presented these people as talented queens who deserve work and deserve recognition mm -hmm. and that is important and i feel like that's one of the like best things from the show is that you are giving these queer people a huge platform yeah that they would have never had before also now because of that like because you want gay people to succeed, it's become a lot of conformity to the culture around us. Because of the way we define success. Yes. Which what is within a capitalist framework. Capitalism. Yeah. Capitalism got rid of <laughs> queer culture. <laughs> capitalism yeah. said bye gay. Well, capitalism, <laughs> capitalism takes all cultures and sanitizes them. Yeah, it's what is palatable, what is marketable to everyone. Mm -hmm. What yeah. can be successful on a worldwide international scale. Right. What RuPaul is now doing is figuring out internationally how could how can she present like because these shows there are a bunch of gay people just frolicking around on stage and wigs and, <laughs> and like makeup yeah i don't know if drag race will like come out in a lot of other countries around the world but like where it is starting it's giving a lot of recognition and a lot of respect yeah i mean i don't see a drag race india that's so yeah like, anytime soon like, but i see where you're coming yeah and so i feel like the show it's done a lot of good in that sense but it's also getting to the point where now after 13 seasons and six all-star seasons and two uk seasons going on three and an australia season and a thailand season oh and now a philippine season <laughs> and we've had two canada seasons going on three like we we have so much drag race now yeah so much and all of it is kind of the same mm -hmm. not to discredit these queens because all of their work is incredible but it's also like the same type of drag and i don't see the yeah. drag evolving past what it is right now of looking gorgeous and lip syncing and dancing around it's kind of like where is the art form going to go past this mm -hmm. because it feels like there's not much pushing the art form forward it feels like rupaul wants the queens to do what they're expected to do and be really good at that and not bring something unexpected to the table 
So until something can be unexpected and appreciated, I don't see it going further than just like giving these queens a platform to like show off themselves. I mean, I think it's the thing we talked about earlier, where like who's getting let in, like from yeah. the ground up. That would be where change would need to happen with RuPaul, because RuPaul personally looks at these audition tapes and decides who she wants for each cast, who she wants for each season. Obviously, she has a really good decision-making skills because all the queens that she picks are very successful. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, as a viewer, as someone who loves drag and wants to see it grow even further, and wants to see it become like appreciated for what it can be. It feels like it's feels like it's kind of stunted in a way. <laughs> well, and also like there should never be one person in charge of curating the like image of this huge right. thing which is drag right if rupaul is the only person in charge what are their blind spots right that like we don't get to see because they have that mental block i think yeah that's also the thing where if other forms of drag can succeed and like be celebrated but it doesn't feel like it's for the show and i feel like rupaul's mm-hmm. drag race as a show as like a production doesn't really want that and the other productions that there are for drag like really dragula is the only one i'm thinking of <laughs> they can show other forms of drag that drag race refuses to show um but they would just have to be as popular as drag race and they aren't yeah. getting that recognition well, yeah so i think of i'm thinking of like how uh, during pride this year and like in the last few years aside from 2020 and there was no pride there was no pride there was um, no year no there was nothing to be proud of um but like drag brunches drag bars are all just like populated by what i perceive to be mostly straight white people yeah it's true and it's like that's what's really scary for me it's the same thing with pride parades is that like they are still helpful for people like like jesse gender who is a youtuber has like a great video about like pink being at pride and talking about how, like, this backlash to kink at Pride is mostly from, like, the straight audience who now thinks that Pride is right. something that they can partake in and also designate, like, what needs, what can be there and what can't. And now it feels like also there is a straight audience that is saying this is the kind of drag that exists and, like, nothing else exists because that is, we right. only, we only will, will, will gravitate towards what we have seen on Drag Race. And if anything lives outside the boundaries of that we're not okay with it right same with like queer eyes like right. if anything if anything is outside the boundaries of like a nice white gay dude that's gonna tell me what moisturizer mm-hmm. to use from target like i don't want it right right and then i think like my first foray into like drag kings was our mm-hmm. teacher aeon mm-hmm. in first year mm-hmm. i didn't even know one because like i did not have a queer community growing up but like our teacher Aeon, like, was the first person to introduce, like, the concept of drag kings. Hmm. To me, at least. I mean, I don't know about you, but I just didn't even know that that was, like, a thing. Yeah. And I think that, like, do you feel like there is a space for that? So before coming to MIU, I knew that drag kings is, like, a thing by concept, but I did not think that they were, like, popular or, like, mm-hmm. kind of common at all. Um, and then I came to NYU, and I went out to gay bars, and I learned that drag kings are very common. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are a part of the drag community, like, just as much as drag queens. But 
you don't see them on TV at all. You don't mm-hmm. see drag kings sit on the same pedestal. RuPaul also doesn't want any bio queens on the show. Like she has very particular views about what type of person she wants to be a drag queen on her show. Right. And that so, also like resembles a kind of privilege almost of who gets to occupy what space. Yeah. Of like who gets to play with gender and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. Is very interesting to me. I don't have like smart thoughts about this, mm-hmm. but my my problem is I think something I'm thinking about a lot is like when we have representation and we make these strides that people are like, you should just be happy that we had a queer eye, or you should just be happy that we had a drag race. Mm-hmm. But like, who gets left out then? Even when we have representation, mm-hmm. where do we go then right. from there? And it's like, I would be so happy to have a drag race when if it was like, you know, six seasons in. But it, we're in season, almost season 14 now. Mm-hmm. And we've had six all sorts. Like, it has gotten to the point where it can do more than what it's doing at the moment. Yeah. And every time a new season comes out, it's all about the spectacle and it's all about the production and all about like what people are seeing on the TV. But it's not about the queens who are on the show. It's not about mm-hmm. what they're putting on to the platform it's not about like what they bring to the competition it's literally about what the production is doing how they can manufacture a storyline how they can like put queens in positions that make them look weird or bad like in the guest judges oh my god the guest judges i mean now the guest judges are pretty lit honestly (laughs) like they had uh tia mari recently which like i love her and they had Tina Lawson Knowles, Miss Beyonce's mom recently. Yeah, I heard about that. They, like, they have really good guest judges now. At the beginning of the season, or series, they did not have good guest judges. They had, like, mm-hmm. random C-list celebrities that they picked off off the side of the street. Yeah, but, like, the judges have evolved. At the beginning, Santino Rice was an awful judge that they eventually got rid of. And Merle Ginsburg only filled in for two seasons until Michelle Visage was available. Like, mm-hmm. so... It's, like, a little bit different in that sense. Also, like, we should tell the... We're drunk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've had so much alcohol. Uh, yeah. Um, Girl, that wine bar. We've been holding it together. <laughs> um, thank you to Lady Bird for getting us Yes, thank you, thank you, Lady Bird. Thoroughly intoxicated. <laughs> um, Anyways. What do we do with Drag Race now? What do we do with her? So, what I have said to myself as my relationship with drag race is Mm. that i watch every episode because at this point why wouldn't i i've seen Mm. every episode and i have to i have to keep doing it i still check up on the bachelorette right i still know i still want to know what's going on you just kind of have to um but i am not emotionally attached to these to the show or these queens as as much as i am anymore every time that i see queens come on drag race I am more focused on I want to see them live and I want to support them. Mm. I want to tip them. And I don't really think about what the show is doing with them or what the show wants me to believe about them via whatever they said on the show or like whatever storyline they put forward. Like I only view the show to get exposure to more drag queens that I want to see. Mm. And going forward, I think that if... Like, first of all, the fandom needs to get itself together and not send hate and death threats and random shit to these queens. I don't understand why people think it's their place at all to well, tell a queen that they did bad. That's it's like, the unfortunate, like, reality of reality TV. I know, it's just ridiculous. That's just a quote-unquote trope of reality TV that just... 
It is so ridiculous. Yeah. I can't. Like, no. The fact it's that someone. It's worse than when you have, like, right. queer people and people of color. You're like, well, you did you didn't you want to be right, on a TV yeah. show? This, this is all that comes with a horror movie. The tropes. Yeah. If you can't handle the tropes. But, like, yeah, no, I agree. Like, I just think it's for reality TV shows that are not drag race where it's just like these random people that they pull up and like are either looking for love or like just trying to do whatever. When people get hate from that, I under, like it can feel bad because it feels like a personal attack and I empathize or whatever. But then when these drag queens who it's their career to be a drag queen and to be entertaining to like make people want to see them. When people re- watch that show, watch the reality TV, and then decide that they are not worthy of being a drag queen, of are not worthy of their career, and then their career is like completely taken out of line. And look that's at the audience up. who's telling them that. Because yeah, often the audience because the audience like, has you are no not fit idea. To be a drag queen is like a straight. Yeah, you have no audience. idea what it means to yeah. even wear like girl. You put on a party city wig for Halloween and call yourself a drag queen. Like good luck. Yeah, that's you have no thing. idea what it's like that, that these queens go hurt. through with the padding and the wigs and like the ten layers of makeup. Well, even not even ten more, like fifty. Good lord, <laughs> it's. <laughs> So much hell yeah. to be a drag queen, and what they go through on the set is unlike anything any of us will ever experience. If they say some weird stuff, it's like, okay, everyone does. Just and like Simpson, yeah, literally. Chicken. <laughs> they can Chicken. edit it Chicken to be however they want, mm-hmm. and like you can think to yourself, oh, it's not the editing. Like they said that, but can you take like two objective seconds and right. watch a like clip of the drag race and just listen to how much shit they put on top of the footage, <laughs> like all of the music cues and all the little stings and all the little sound. It's like, they tell you what they want you to think. Yeah. And the fact that they are making so many people think negatively about a ton of these Queens, like genuinely affects their future as a performer. Yeah. And that's fucked up. And I feel like, yeah, reality TV comes with people being mean or whatever, mm-hmm. but like for a drag race to continue to be successful, for drag to continue to be successful, you have to not have an unrealistic expectation for all these queens. Like you just have to accept that some people have flaws and like it's just ridiculous to say that you did not deserve to get booked because you were mean to one other person on a yeah. reality TV show. I think like the kind of media literacy that mm. we should take away for all reality shows, which is that, like, these are real humans mm-hmm. behind the camera of these things. They are being manipulated. We are being manipulated mm-hmm. as an audience in, like, all these different ways. But then when you add the layer on top of that of, like, who are we watching as audience members? What are the different layers of power mm-hmm. that is that is happening in this in this situation of us as consumers? not of this experience which is very different from like the bachelor or something mm-hmm. which is like people can much more easily like quote-unquote identify with that if drag race is to continue the kind of care and understanding that has to be placed on the audience mm-hmm. is like unlike that of an amazing race for mm. a survivor or whatever because of the different power dynamics of who we are watching and what sacrifices are being made for them to be making something like this mm-hmm. because it is of a counterculture 
And I don't even know if it's possible to preserve the counterculture anymore for any of this, like for pride, mm-hmm. for drag race, for like, all we can do is like educate ourselves on like the history, mm-hmm. quote unquote history of like <laughs> on our history or whatever. But like, there used to be a kind of like, this is this and that is that we are, everything is separate. But now things are just, like, amalgamating, right, to the point where, like, most white pop stars are using AAVE mm-hmm. and Black Sense and music and, like, kind of goes uninvestigated. Mm-hmm. The culture, like, queer culture and culture are now one. Mm-hmm. Black culture and culture are now, like, becoming one. And the kind of, like, active understanding that has to take place for us to consume these things still and like sit in all of that and not feel like we are policing quote unquote like Mm. queer people who are actually who are actually partaking in their culture in Mm. a way that that is effective and helpful for them if we are to consume it something has to change with how we consume it right yeah it's also like we change how we consume it and also maybe change how it's presented where it's like yeah like what about the tropes of reality tv can we change yeah you know for drag race like queer people competing against ourselves very fun concept Mm -hmm. you know just tearing each other down for fun right what happens like because then when when straight people see other queer people tearing each other down they take that as permission mama straight people see queer people reading and they think that that is the epitome of Of like communication yeah they think think, oh gays are so snippy they talk like that to each other all the time it's okay it's like bitch no you read with an intention to like actually benefit your sister yes it's funny but it's also telling her what's wrong like fix yourself it's not like (laughs) <laughs> it's not to be mean and be catty and like think you're better like it's fucking ridiculous no, the but... misunderstanding that people get mm-hmm. of gay culture from drag race like they see it on drag race and they think like oh that's fine like anyone can do that it's like you don't understand at all what it means where it came from like how it's yeah. different coming from you versus coming from us like yeah it's it's completely different yeah i guess the end of that is just like know your place <laughs> Yeah, straight but, people know your place. But, but <laughs> because Drag Race became part of the mainstream without the caveat of know your place. Right. I don't even know what the answer is to, like, fix that now. No, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have an answer. I just have more questions. Um, I don't have an answer either other than Men in Wigs is very entertaining. And these queens are extremely talented. And that is the main success. The... Only success of this show is from how talented and entertaining these contestants are. Yeah. RuPaul has set everything up, yes, has hosted, sure. Doesn't do shit besides that. <laughs> everything that happens on the show, every iconic moment that people talk about from the show is from one of these queens. Yeah. It's not because of RuPaul. It's mm. because of Tasha Valor. It's because of like any other queen that is on the show competing and like showing their incredible artistry. So main takeaway is Support the queens, tip the dolls, and RuPaul is not the end-all be-all. All of that rhymed really well. <laughs> I think that's a great ending. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Amazing. Okay. Well, that's all, folks. That's fine. <laughs> Cameron, what are you working on? So I just finished my class for the summer, thank God, which means that now NYU is starting back up in two weeks from today, actually. Stop. 
Two weeks from today is our first class back at MIU. On a Friday? No, Thursday. On a Thursday? Sorry, sorry, sorry. We're recording on Thursday if you didn't know. Well, we're going to start classes on a Thursday. <laughs> we start classes on Thursday. That's so stupid. Thursday, September 2nd. Like, why? I I, anyways. That. So right now I'm just getting ready for those classes and doing the work that I have, like at the Mondrian with Concert Under the Stars. I do live sound for dinner concerts. That's you so can cute. check it out at feverup.com. Concert Under the Stars. Oh yeah. So cute. <laughs> I just finished my Oh sorry. Nita, no. what are you working on? <laughs> um, I just finished the my podcasting fellowship through the NYU Production Lab. Woo! The audio series will be out soon. And so I'll tell you all when that is coming out. But yeah, that's that's like done. Period. Which is like my three months of my life. Right? That was yeah, like a lot. That was so a long time. That's good. You're getting done. Yes. Uh, where can people follow you? You can follow me on Instagram at michael.camazon or on Twitter at michaelcamazon. Hell yeah. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nita underscore Thavani, T-H-A-D-A-N-I. You can follow the Bitch Why Podcast at Bitch Why Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And you can email us at v.tchwhy at gmail.com. Um... Please leave a review and write us on iTunes and tell a friend. Thank you to Kim. Thank you to me for editing this tomorrow morning. I know it's been a lot, but you're a trooper. Our uh, co-producer and gay god. Yes. And our graphic designer, Jillian. Yeah. Yeah. Good night, bitches. Good night, bitches. That was great. Bitches, you may sashay away. (laughs) 